You're listening to the Blender Institute Podcast. Brought to you by the Blender Cloud. Is your online inspiration getting too hairy? See us getting a Brazilian on the cloud. Go to cloud.blender.org. Joining us today is Nathan Dillo, Colin Levy. Hello. Dalai Peninso. Still recovering from the introduction. Hello. <laughs> Pablo Vasquez. Hola. And I'm Yati Hanson. Here's your well, that was uh, quite an intro. Welcome back to the Blender Institute podcast, episode number 43. Happy Thanksgiving. And uh, we have a few Americans in the house. So... Happy Thanksgiving. Yay. Happy Thanksgiving, Nathan. Yeah. yeah. Nathan was like, well, you know, Thanksgiving is all about being with the family and everyone. So like, I'm here by myself. It's like, <laughs> it's like, oh no. So that's it's a little uh, sad. Yeah. But uh, we, we hope, you know, you at least don't feel too lonely. <laughs> um, we feel thankful. Great. So, we are here gathered today to talk about many nice topics. We are going to talk about uh, some development, and then we're going to talk about film. And uh, in order to talk about Blender development, we have our very own, very special Delay that uh, um, is going to uh, talk about his uh, layers and uh, Blender viewport and uh, Blender everything stuff. <laughs> and, <laughs> I don't know what you are. You should be a host of something. Yeah, right. Yeah. So anyway, Dala is going to be uh, sharing a little bit about how he worked up his proposal and what is going to happen next, because it's a very exciting new step for the 2.8 project. So I'd like to start with that. And then uh, Pablo will come by and we will switch to the movie. So let's uh, get to it. Fantastic. Don't break the illusion. He's here. Yeah. He's here the whole time. <laughs> well, it's my pleasure. And too flattering an intro. I don't deserve it that much. And I tried to speak slowly because last time was a fiasco. I couldn't understand myself. <laughs> <laughs> I listened back to the podcast. Wow. I couldn't. It was a disaster. So uh, first, of all, first of all, it's not my layers or anything. It's barely my proposal. But I'm here to, to, to get all the tomatoes. But a lot of the praise actually goes for people that have been, have been thinking about that since Son of It since 2.5. But uh, first, actually... I would like to invite people to go to the code.blender.org. It's a free website <laughs> <laughs> where you know we keep you know track of all the latest Blender developments. It's more technical, easily tailored towards more technical audience, and you can find this very nice posts about it's named Layers and Beyond, which is about layers. It's about the viewport. It's about 2.8, and it's a lot about workflow. And that's what you're going to be actually is part of what we're going to be discussing in these upcoming days on the usability workshop here. That's why we're rushing to get this proposal, which was a little bit beyond only viewport, but actually how the whole your workspace relates to the way you see Blender, the way you organize your file, the way you start working. Um, I don't know. I shouldn't be just talking. Do you have any, what should we be trying to address here? <laughs> well, it's, uh, it's great to hear. Uh, um you know, what what the project is about. And uh, so maybe you could uh, sum up in uh, one sentence uh -huh. what uh, the plan is, what is that you are going to do within this project. Because as you say, this is something that uh, has uh, quite some history already. And uh, it's something that uh, many people are going to be working on. Yes. So, so I was brought in to here in Amsterdam to help coordinate the Viewport project. But as it turned out, uh, Viewport, when you talk about the Viewport project, we're talking about a lot of the things that are beyond Viewports, just this overall design of how usability and workflow and the Viewport fit together. And so basically, my goal here is to make sure we all, and by we, I mean the Tom, Sergey, the core in-house developer team all agree on a design that the, the Blender artists, the studio ones, and the, the few ones can afford to contact and keep in the loop. They are everyone on the same page and providing feedback. And, and then we can have people such as Mike Irving that's going to continue his work hopefully next year, adding up, for instance, on the whole technology part of the viewport, and then have Clement Foucault adding up for the whole PBR visualization agent for the viewport. But also bring back uh, Julian Eisel. I mean, he's he did such a nice work for his Google Summer of Code, and that's where a lot of a lot of the discussions about layers was really 
all if not started at least consolidated and at least now we have you're gonna have like more clear design so you know any of any developer you know should be free and welcome to just jump in and know we are uh with a clear track ahead of us and i'll, I'll make sure if you're all in sync and following the big picture specifically i'm i've been already working on implementing some of the like underlying data structure we're proposing so the changes of layers and how we can have the python scripts to use it so whoever comes up to work on the ui in the user interface you know the the the, the, the groundwork is it's already done for it i noticed that uh, while you were here developing the the proposal you've been uh, pretty much interviewing and talking with everyone here in the studio like and uh, take advantage of the different backgrounds that everyone has to uh, update and to review and to proof the, uh, the the proposal you were working on. Uh, overall, how was that experience? And like, even from the guys that are sitting here with us right now, like, what did you what did you get? Did you get something that was unexpected? Like, how was to see these different perspectives when developing the proposal? And that's a that's a pretty good point because it's really a privilege to be working doing development for usability or interface uh, while sitting just a few a few meters across so many great artists working in a uh, productions such as the agent so there are two kind of feedbacks I've, I've been getting one is the explicit feedback so people come over i explain well everyone was i actually i was lectured about the proposal and during the proposal during the presentation they were actually providing feedback and even later on some people would come up bold come up chelsea would come up say oh and that that we mentioned the other day how about this, this and that but there's also just looking at people working i do it out of personal satisfaction i love see people working with blender and all that <laughs> and you guys you guys you all have noticed that mm -hmm. but it, but it's also that's <laughs> i feel like a stalker yeah i feel <laughs> a hot brazilian over my this, shoulder right now <laughs> But basically, basically, I'll just walk around the twice a day at least and, and check everyone's workstation. But it's also because there's this, uh, I need to, I'm, I, I used to be first a Blender user and then a Blender developer, and it helps a lot. But I need to, to go beyond my own uh, quirks and way of using Blender to and actually see how people would expect and, and react to a different proposal and different uh, usability. That's a lot of usually what I would go over and see and try to imagine fast to do layouting or, or anima animation. So that said, there are very specific things we got from that. Uh, like for instance, silhouette for animation was a big thing so that was brought up even for the viewport uh, workshop or be able to pose two different characters at the same time. This came from the feedback, uh, feedback sections and on and on. Mm -hmm. Well. That's, I think, uh, going to be very exciting, especially because you will be here for a while. So we will hopefully, you know, you will keep us posted with what the progress is and we'll make more blog posts. And uh, I'm looking forward to, you know, see the first uh, working uh, examples and see how the guys react. And, uh, it's, a, it's a pleasure. It's going to be my pleasure. And I really, I'm also looking forward to see how the community reacts to it. So, so far it's a proposal. It's not set on stone per se. Mm -hmm. Shouldn't be. Yeah. But just a solid proposal, we believe. An educated proposal. Let's see af after the workshop if what changes do we do and then how things build up and how much how much you need to change throughout the year. It's gonna be fun. Mm. Great. I have uh, one more development topic uh, for you, uh, which is uh, you already mentioned it a couple of times, and it's uh, kind of our biggest community news that we have for this podcast is that tomorrow we have the. Uh, usability workshop uh, coming up here at the Blender Institute. So uh, a lot of people are gonna just take some time off while the studio gets uh, invaded by a lot of uh, <laughs> other people that are going to gather and talk about uh, all usability topics uh, for the present and the future of Blender. And uh, we will try to document this as well as possible and share it with the community because it's uh, extremely important. This is a project uh, organized and coordinated by the Blender Foundation. So everyone uh, should be free, uh, feel free and welcome to look and find uh, every information they want. And uh, is there anything you're uh, expecting from this workshop, Dalai? Anything you're looking forward to and uh, or anything like that? Yes, just before the, you just remind them of something. You asked me what's my role on this whole thing. And so it's a bit to coordinate, but most of it is to communicate. 
And it's really to make sure people that are not in the studio feel included, feel that they can participate and all that. So that's, and I'm saying that because I think also the workshop, one of the things I expect is to be this really like collaborative, inspiring three days of work. Um, I don't, personally, I would expect uh, consensus and agreements on big pictures. Some people might disagree, but I think that a lot of things that Blender lack is a clear is clear designs. Because I you know, I've told I ask I told a few times personally, it's implementation is always easy. I mean, it's just a matter of finding someone to do it. But to have a nice design, it's you know it's it's a matter of testing things and try. And so I'm really hoping with these different backgrounds we're gathering here, developers, artists, we're going to be able to. I don't to to design to be as bold as we dared be back in the Blender two point five. That'll be my my hopes. Awesome. Well, thank well, you very sounds much. Sounds great. Mm. Thank you for uh, thank you for joining us. Yeah, it's and, my uh, my pleasure. Around. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, now that you've heard your daily dose of uh, Blender development uh, talk, let's. Uh, talk about uh, film, let's talk about uh, animation, let's talk about the agent, let's talk about uh, our very own Nathan, Woo! which uh, has been actually sitting here in the studio for like almost one month, two months and working and, uh, you know, your work is out there. So welcome to the podcast, because I think this, this is, is the first, first time. time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> thank you, thank you. And uh, our schedule with the, post- with the podcast has been a little bit uh, uh, yeah. altered, I think, since we are getting more into the production cycle. So... Yeah. Uh, it's not uh, as uh, regular, but we try to keep it up. So, first of all, just uh, so you know, we, we posted a, a, a blog article some days ago uh, about you joining us here. But uh, I would like to ask you a couple of questions just uh, to get to know you and so that people can get to know you. So, you are from the States mm-hmm. and uh, you came in for the first time in Europe for this project. Yep. So, how has that experience been? Uh, I mean, I've never been out of the U.S., so so far, so good. <laughs> uh, it's been fun. I like but it. Uh, this is not the first time you actually work in an animation studio. Uh, no. Um, you know, I worked at Blue Sky Studios back in the States in real effects. Uh, so, yeah. Which movies did you work on? Uh, I worked on the Peanuts movie, uh, Ice Age 5, recently. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, the Book of Life, a real effects, and uh, an obscure film that's not yet released called Rock Dog. <laughs> Nobody really knows about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is a but, trailer uh, going around. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, yeah that's, uh, that's that's great. But you've been using Blender all the time. Well, not yes. there in those studios, but actually you are a long-time Blender user. Very long, uh, since I was 15. Um, I started in 2001, I think it was. Mm-hmm. So yeah, quite a while. I love wow. it. It's like a full eight years before mm. I heard of it, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's like half of my life. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> huh. Yeah, and actually you were doing some uh, some projects and uh, you, you were working online as well. And that's mm-hmm. when uh, uh, we got in touch with you and I was uh, looking at your work. I was sitting there with Pablo and Pablo went like, What? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I hired Pablo. Yeah, I worked. Uh, projects, yeah. yeah, we worked together a few times. Yeah, that was so much fun. Yeah, and a totally separate coincidence, I graduated with him and mm-hmm. animation mentor. It was a totally <laughs> different yeah. coincidence. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So actually, it turned out that uh, more Small people world. actually, yeah. yeah, knew Nathan. And so it was really cool to just connect with him and to get him over. So I, at least that part, maybe, you know, you found some familiar faces here. A small world. Well, we haven't even seen each other before. I have, I've, ne- I've never seen your face before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, I've seen your avatar, which is very close, actually. You, you drew it yourself, right? No. no? Yeah, okay. Props to whoever did it. Uh, it's really good. <laughs> yeah, actually, I don't know how you felt about it uh, because it's true that finding you uh, online is not like you find easily your work, but the pictures of you are not so easy. And then I wrote a blog post with a gigantic picture of your face online and I saw you tweeting, hey, my face is on. Like, yeah. <laughs> bad. like are you mad at me for doing that? <laughs> it was a shock. Yeah. Oh um, my God. <laughs> yeah, I realized that afterwards, but yeah, I usually try to stay a mystery on the internet. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's yeah. Broken now. Okay. Uh, yeah. Sorry. That's a Blender Institute for you. Yeah. yeah. 
I try to take the nicest picture possible because in the past we had stances of people being like, you know, photographed as if it's like a wildlife documentary. So like they're walking in through the door and then Tom goes like, hey, let's take a picture. And then you're like looking scared with your jacket still on and, you know, trying to elude the camera and stuff like that. Just came out of the rain and the wind, you know. (laughs) So, okay. So now I officially can feel guilty about that. That's great. Um, Well... How has it been to work on the agent film for you so far before we actually, you know, get a little bit of a checkup with both Colin and Chialti? Well, and Nathan Pablo. right now is flanked by both the directors. So, uh, <laughs> no pressure. Very, yeah, exactly. A lot of pressure going so on. So how, how was your first impact and how, like, now that things are, are, are rolling and they're going for, for, for a while, how do you, how do you think the, the project is going? But what was your first impression and... and um, I mean, it started off kind of slow, but, you know, just now getting into the swing of things. Um, I mean, it's been a blast so far. I love animation and, you know, uh, yeah, it's, uh, not yep. sure what else to say, but yeah, no, you're ready uh, to yeah. the point. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what about Blendrig? Uh, How's this experience so far? <laughs> well, Blendrig's not my favorite. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's kind of tough. Yeah. It's, uh. Talking about, Probably. I mean, go too deep into that. But. We we had an interesting conversation uh, recently about, uh, you know, the things, the the leagues that separate the the even the best rigs in Blender with uh, sort of the feature quality rigs that uh, not that many pe- people in the Blender community probably have uh, experience with, but I'm sure at Blue Sky and at Pixar, I mean, and these are actually related also to some 2.8 goals, I think, like how cool it'd be to be able to manipulate a rig uh, without actually interacting with the rig itself, but you're just dragging uh, parts of the character's face around and there's actual plans to do that. And, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of room for improvement with uh, the, the tools overall, but we're getting good stuff out of uh, and you in particular are doing great stuff with uh, with uh, the blend rig for agent. Yeah, that, I mean that's always been kind of a, a side project a bit, with, yeah. uh, especially from Tom because Tom is so he loves so much the idea of being able to um, take a character and kind of just manipulate it without having all these kind of gadgets or gizmos all around it. Uh, to me, it's it's like honestly, it's just it's great. But at the same time, also, you have to be a bit practical. So let's say, for example, you're on a budget. It just means it's a little bit more work in order to, to do that. Uh, it's a little bit less work to sure. make the shape keys, uh, the, the, what do you call it? The Curve guides. Custom shapes. Yeah, yeah. yeah shape keys, shape keys, yeah. Widgets, yeah. 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 Just oh, no, no, the, the shape widgets. That. Yeah, the yes. custom bone shapes, yeah. Bone shapes. I yeah. Guess. Yeah. Um, because that's kind of like a half and half, like it's a half step towards going yeah. that all that way. And I can imagine a lot of people that work with Blender or whatever, they maybe not have the highest budget ever. So it would be a kind of a luxury to go all that, you know, go that down that road. But even then, it's nice to have that option, you know. So maybe in the future, it'll be really cool to see. We can only hope. <laughs> well, there are already tests with the with that thingy of the widgets on top on the face that you can. Yeah, yeah. they're done by uh, yeah. Julian, I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. But there is that's been sense. around for for a long time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even like in two thousand six, seven, this movie I was working in Argentina. It was Blender two forty two, and already there was a test with that, like just clicking on the me- on the mesh and it will highlight it yeah, and stuff. It's a massive hack, but yeah. <laughs> hopefully now, 10 years later, we'll come back. Yeah, it's the time that it takes to fill the gap between the test and the actual feature, because that is, I guess, the biggest problem, like finding, you know, a pool of users that is really into it so that then the developer feels motivated and gets enough feedback and focus to actually make a working solution, which I think is always a big challenge when developing. Yeah, but I'm making it nice, though. Like... I bet any any Blender developer that that we know, or even just the developers that are starting, they could get that thingy, like the the effect mm-hmm. there, but it just wouldn't be wouldn't follow the rest of Blender. And I think uh, what what all this time we were waiting for is just to do it properly. Well, that's that. I guess that's also one of the things. I mean, the idea of it and kind of the push for it 
came before we started like upgrading the dependency graph. Yeah. And that's a huge factor, like because that kind of changes the under, underpinning of how uh, rigs are calculated, for example. Yeah. We're, you know, and Sergey is still working on that thing. So it, you know, even if you came up with a solution right now, it might accidentally kind of break a couple of months later, uh, just because it's, you know, things are being updated still. Yeah, not only that, but also the, um, it's it's good to have uh, the the extra the the big picture, yeah. which is what Ton has. And maybe if somebody would have implemented that on the bone level, then okay, it was fine. Mm. But what Ton's idea was to have a widget system. So not only for bones and meshes, but also for a lamp. How do you change the lamp? Uh, I don't know the the intensity from the viewport. Yeah. Start getting rid of buttons in the on the sidebar and just put more in the viewport itself. Um, yeah, however, change the world settings, change shaders, everything. Yeah, I, I just want to put some emphasis on that. It's not meant to replace it. It's just it's a complementary yeah. thing. You know what I mean? So it's really great a lot of times to be able to change things right there visually. But uh, in some cases, you might like, for example, there might be a value still there, but you visually don't see it because the the difference uh, with yeah, it's so subtle, it, yeah, yeah, it's so subtle. So you kind of have to sometimes go and fact check. Oh, there's like a zero point one value there. I didn't see it, and that might break something later on. You know. Yeah, I think Basam had a test where you will display the val those values even if they were very short, very small on the viewport itself. Mm -hmm. So then you have the best of both worlds. Yeah, yeah but does that mean you hold down a button and then all of a sudden you have 1,000 <laughs> values coming up or only the thing you're selecting? Actually, so the know. thing you're selecting, yeah, why won't you, you have more? if you want to fact check everything real fast, you have to kind of hold down that thing and then choose every single bone. You know what I mean? Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because and then, then what moved all the because bones? Because it's going to be an obscure bone you're not using that much. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, there's a value. I'm really taking it to the practical side. Yes. So, okay. well, ideologically, <laughs> it's great. So it all started with, uh, you know, the, just a, a friendly chat about how the movie is going. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. Nathan, and I'm Nathan, where think, were you I born? I'm probably let's take it back. back. So, yeah. let's, uh, let's actually, sorry, yeah. Deviate uh, a little, sorry. I actually would love to hear at this point from uh, all of you guys that you're now actually working on the film, uh, what you've been up to and how it's going. So... Let's start with Nathan. Let's start, <laughs> let's start with Chalti, actually. No! Yeah. Okay. Hey, so, buddy. Yeah. Um, how are you doing? I'm and, good. I got some back problems. Yeah, and okay. I, don't know, I, I don't think I slept well last yeah. night. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. My cat keeps vomiting. Mm -hmm. I don't know. So. <laughs> yeah. oh, oh, okay. You didn't actually mean that question. No. Okay. How am I in general? Good. Okay. Um, the project is doing good. So, uh, we're seeing some of the test renders now from the lighting crew and it's looking amazing. The props are looking great. I think everything is kind of going along in the right direction. I've been having a little bit of issues of, I mean, I'm wearing a lot of hats, so sometimes you're kind of juggling a bit and then you're, the week is over and you realize, oh, the, I didn't animate a lot this week because I had like 20 meetings, but those 20 meetings were still super important. So, uh, yeah, I've, I've had to kind of figure out a little bit that. Uh, that balance, I guess. But now, especially this week, I'm getting getting a little bit more into the rhythm of animating. And yeah, it's uh, it's going okay. It's going cool. You're also in the five seconds per week. I know Nathan has this in the five seconds per week schedule, mm -hmm. right? Are you also in the five seconds per week? Uh, according to, to Ton. That's to unrealistic. Some, uh, plan yeah, I know. It's, it's not very realistic. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, we have to figure that out at some point, uh, but especially now in the beginning, because we're kind of getting everything up and running, and then uh, it's kind of to be prepared, exactly. layout to be reviewed, and the final assets starts to be brought in. Yeah. Breaks, yeah. review, yeah. and yeah. fixes, and... Exactly, and th those are all still kind of going on. Yeah. I mean, it's not, I don't, we're, I think we're over the hump, meaning that layout is, is getting pretty well set, and it's looking pretty good, and we're all kind of happy with the way the story's being told unfolded and the overall characters and whatnot but now there's still a lot of like these little tweaks and these kind of questions that pop up and they have to be addressed of course you got to do it yeah some things are a bit late like the the camera rig setting up right now it's uh yeah so those things that we should have addressed before we're setting up some shots and yeah wish we have done this before <laughs> and the transition between layout and uh, animation ready shots and lighting ready shots. It's always, I guess it's always a little bit uh, of a of a problem. But uh, yeah, oh, 
No, actually, I wanted to ask Colin, since he has uh, probably uh, some experience in this uh, stage, mm. like, uh, you know, uh, also I would like to hear how has it been so far for you, the, the project and the direction as a director, co-director role, yeah. being, but also I know you're working practically on a lot of layouts. So how is that process? And indeed, if you, you know, have other experiences of how this stage of transition between previous layout and animation has been made and how it's been for you mm -hmm, this project. Mm -hmm. uh, well, I'm having a blast. Uh, I feel like uh, uh, I've gotten to a place where I feel like finally confident about what we're, what we're making on the big picture. I'm, I cannot wait to share it with the world, basically. And so all we, all it, we need to do is execute the thing <laughs> and that's uh there's a lot uh, a whole lot of work to to be done but um i feel like because we know what we're doing at this point in terms of a creative direction um it's uh you know we've got a great team uh, we've got the resources we've got the time it's we're gonna knock it out of the park i'm really really excited mm -hmm. um and that's you know it's it's uh uh something i'm still i'm in the, in the spirit of thanksgiving <laughs> I'm really kind of thankful for uh, like the fact that we've been given the the time and resources to to do this right. I mean, I really do feel like we've got something we you know that's that, that feels uh, really well crafted. I think it'll by the end. I think from a from you know a visual standpoint, from an acting standpoint, from a storytelling standpoint, uh, I think it's going to do what we need it to do. So that's that's the hope. Um, in terms of the technical process, yeah, the practical part, the yeah. practical <laughs> stuff. Um, you know, I've been focusing on layout most of the time that I've been here, which is a little over two months already. Yeah, and um, uh, it's a process I love. Uh, this is a little bit more akin to previs, I would say. I mean, I'm using the actual rigs, but um, so far the layout has been done in sort of a rougher ver uh, version of the set, like an early kind of model um a lot of stuff has been mocked up really roughly and so it's true that right now we're coming across this issue where uh, almost everything is theoretical in these shots and to make it actually real to be able to hit f12 and get a render back we need to swap out all the rigs the camera rig uh, we need to rename the actions we need to uh, uh i mean there's a whole long list of steps to take Putting and the then, proper props, for example. You know, we swap out the props, we redo the constraints with those props, we um, make sure the scales are right, because sometimes things get a little wonky. The set itself, as I mentioned, um, comes in and now it's actually real, but actually maybe the barber chairs are not exactly where you expect them to be, and you have to kind of re um and jiggers the shots a little, a little bit, bit yeah. yeah nudge things here or there mm -hmm. so um that is uh uh a byproduct of a, a couple of factors you know um it's sort of a shame that we have to do it but it also is a process that is sort of unavoidable mm -hmm. and as we kind of talked about earlier this week you know in, in terms of the big picture, you could be updating assets all the time as artists are working on them. Um, and then you're, you're dealing with the pain as things evolve. But then by the time you lock layout, everything is set. Uh, or you can just kind of be working in this imaginary world until the layout is locked. And then you have to do convert <laughs> every single shot individually, independently. Yeah. And that's what we've chosen to do here. Um, I think that there are some technical limitations that Blender has that contributes to this issue. Mm -hmm. um, the fact that basically if you link in a set, you can't cheat individual objects unless there's a rig. And if you proxify that rig, you can't then link all of that stuff into another file. It's only there's one level of library linking possible in the way Blender works right now. Yeah. And it's uh, it's actually kind of limiting um, for, for a couple of reasons. Um, but I mean, I think that this studio, a studio of this size, can handle those limitations, no problem. We're gonna, not going to have an issue with this short. But um, as we're doing a lot of dreaming about the potential of a, a feature film down the road, um, this is one of those things that I think is going to be a, a much bigger issue um, moving into uh, a, a scenario where there's not 60 shots, there's 2,000. Yeah. You know? 
can you imagine taking what we have right now just as it is and just scaling it up to a full feature movie yeah no yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> i've been there so yeah and this is 10 years ago a, for us yeah it's a healthy stepping stone to do this kind of proof of concept and then you get a lot of these kind of moments when it's like, oh you know what the pipeline this way might not work and we need to fix this and that it's really healthy to take care of it now uh, if you want to except we're not really taking care of it we're just complaining about thinking it thinking about it and we're thinking, thinking about, about it. it's so healthy but so. what do we do yeah i mean ideally there's a list there's a development a list of targets that would need to be accomplished before we go into production yeah on a future film so that's that's what i would be pushing for yeah <laughs> well i've been there with like making a feature film with 40 people 30 people yeah. with blender and it's funny now that i think of it this was 10 years ago 2006 and the it's way of oh uh, yeah is it is out yeah no just don't you haven't seen it haven't Wait, seen is it is that the birds of paradise that that's the one yes okay on dvd now on the uh, yes anyway <laughs> um that was 10 years ago and the way we we worked it hasn't changed like the the or the tools <laughs> in blender it hasn't like even uh, um like the way we did it we did things when i joined Sintel in 2010 yeah. I, I proposed that because uh, we were working in a different way when I came here and I proposed this thing of linking um, scenes. So you have a, the animation scene and the, the animation scene will be its, its own blend file and then, uh, then in the set you will link the whole scene. So you had to, you had the limitation that the layers were, you couldn't change the layers. So the layers will be always there. Yeah. So you use that uh, animation scene as a background where you put the the high res models mm. and then that scene which contains the high res and the other background scene so it's like a, another two levels <laughs> then in that scene you will put the the lights or or something like that interesting yeah. interesting um that's what we did back then then i think at some point we removed that in between yeah and we only have in the lighting file we only uh, had the background um animation uh scene and that worked well except when we needed to change layers but besides that i think it worked pretty okay i mean it's a lot of limitation it's like whatever whatever workflow you develop yeah is comes with its own set of really frustrating limitations yeah and like in that scenario what if you need to cheat uh the position of a set piece for one shot only how do you how do you yeah. do that yeah, that that's a limitation. So that's one where you no that you would remove it from the modeling scene because then that way the mod the people making the models and replacing the sets and stuff, set yeah. dressing, they could continue working on that blend file and then the lighter could could could, could do its thing. Yeah, yeah. So that's why we split it. But then on Cinta we were such a small team that it didn't make any sense and it's also not very practical. And then uh, after that we we moved the 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 way of doing things instead of having a whole scene because you can't change the layers, you can't change anything to just linking the characters and then link the action from the animation file, which is what we are doing now. But it's funny that in 10 years, hasn't the workflow is the same. In Blender fact, It's gotten more rudimentary <laughs> Yeah, when you think about it, actually, because uh, there is this powerful library linking uh, uh, options available. And uh, first until you described how, how we did it then, which involved linking in sets, etc. Yeah, uh, I don't recall exactly if we linked in scenes. We did for certain things. Yeah, we or did. Yeah. Maybe for the whole movie. I don't remember. But now we're not even linking in the scene. No, we have local object data for every object in the set in every individual shot for layout. Nope, for the actual movie. No, no, no. no. The lighting files. We are linking in the mesh data, the materials data. Right, but the object positions. Oh, the object, yeah, that is local. Object data yeah. is local, yeah. so that anything can be cheated in any shot. Yeah, and uh, it feels like you have an actual set, like a copy. Yeah, an actual appended copy, almost, of the set in every in every single shot. Yeah, and and so you can't do a sequence level cheat. No, you, you just you're you're moving stuff around on a shot by shot basis. It gives us a lot of flexibility, but to even get into this situation. And to be able to manage it, we're relying on custom tools that uh, Francesco wrote. And a lie. And a lie. Mm -hmm. um, which I think, uh, you know, exposes uh, uh, some of the uh, 
hmm. you know the challenges we're talking about like this this tool i mean we're we're struggling we're coming against these uh, concrete walls that we're, we're we're struggling with that have to do with the library linking and so now we're trying something different for this movie yeah. than well than i experienced on Sintel. and uh, i think it's better but uh, you need to be able to maintain it with with a set of python scripts yeah uh, but i don't know how to do what you know so what what if you move the position of some objects yeah uh should you cheat it for that shot and then okay let's leave it like that so yeah. how do you propagate that to uh, the rest if you, if you key it then it stays like that in that one scene yeah but it's only in that one shot so if yeah. you want to bring that to everything else you take the those keyframes you bring it to the uh template shot uh, uh file and then you would probably paste that animation data which would be sort of a, an ordeal in and of itself. Yeah. And then you'd use a script uh, and you would individually go into each and every shot and click a button that would bring, it would Jesus. go back to the template file and go, what's changed? And like, uh, it would rebuild the set. Um, any any changes would be propagated that way and it would take a lot of doing. Yeah, and any change that you did locally on the other shot, you also like, yeah. Uh, I've been I've been moving some objects around and yeah. uh, um, moving and actually moving a layer because sometimes you don't need those. Mm. Like the you, we have the whole set when the camera is only looking one direction, so right. whatever it's behind, yep. if it's not in a mirror, we we actually have many <laughs> mirrors in a barbershop after all. Yeah. But I've been moving some of the objects, putting them in a second non-renderable layer, um, so it's a bit faster. But yeah, what if I want to? But yeah. Like if I re-bring all the stuff, then all these objects yeah, will appear again. Yeah, you do that again, exactly. Yeah. The pruning pass, uh, you just mm. have to get really good at doing many times if you want to be, you know, pulling You have to remember that one shot, yeah. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. How, how, how well, do they do the it? this is the fun we're about to jump into. Yeah. <laughs> there are like these problems that the guys are describing are, of course, part of the workflows that when developing this uh, add-on that we use for uh, building sets, uh, we've been thinking about these scenarios and uh, of course now as we are starting to use it and for example remembering layers remembering positions remembering overrides uh, we we can find workarounds for it and what we are doing is really something that will work for this production and really trying to make up a list of these things that keep happening and to actually then have them implemented in the proper way uh, right now, Sergey, that is not joining us today for the podcast because he's really busy working on dependency graph. He's actually starting to investigate. Well, he's been already doing it for many, many weeks. It's a complicated topic, the overrides, which is exactly mm. is the foundation of all this world of possibilities that uh, opens up once you support on the lowest level possible in Blender the capability of bringing in data and then and just arbitrarily override uh, properties and do whatever you want. And this yeah. is indeed something that to be sold properly takes a lot of knowledge, takes a lot of time. And that's what uh, he's spending his, uh, his time on now. And it's definitely coming for the 2.8 project. It's not something that is, you know, for the release of Blender next month, but that's uh, extremely valuable. So what we are doing now with these little hacks, they're a bit more targeted to emulate what happens in real life or what you would really like to have so bring in a set and touch whatever you want without any consequences for the rest of the world <laughs> and um, and then once we get the feel of that then it can be actually done properly with blender without having too much technical overhead so in a way awesome. it's uh it's of course a lot of work on uh, every side but uh, i think it will uh, allow us to actually get the shots and to get the look of the movie and push it to the next level to really have a shot to have a set that feels alive because there is also going to be a lot of interaction with the sets uh, and uh, as pablo says because we are getting this very high polished look you really need to, to cheat and you really need to customize the shot for efficiency like there are really technical reasons why you want to move stuff around yeah well, of course to make it work on a practical side so it's it's very important and i think that this workflow might help us hmm. um yeah we, speaking of workflow this i think this all this asset management thing it like it it deserves its own workflow like you know the the mm -hmm. It's supposed to you be on, you're on the scalp workflow or the modeling workflow. Or mm. There should be, I guess, like some sort of asset management. Uh, oh, that's interesting. Where where you a project set up? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. This I'm just thinking of the top of my head, but I mean, a place where you can actually see 
what's going on, the relationship between the objects and everything. Even if it's you, just don't see any three D object in there. It's just a bunch of it's a it's a list of it's a, it's a it's just a wall of text. Yeah. But you should be able to see that. That sometimes uh, in two point forty nine you had the oops window where you could have you could see the relationship between um, data blocks. Right. Yeah, I know, I know the memories, <laughs> but. <laughs> Uh, but at least you could see if this texture, if if this image that it's somewhere in Blender, it was related to a texture, and if that texture was related to a material, and if that material was related to an object. Now you can't see that. Like I, gosh, you can't. Really? You, sometimes you have a list of images in the image editor, which you don't know if it's yeah. being used or not. It's a major regression, two point five. When you think about it, <laughs> no, it's just they got rid of that editor. Yeah, no, but it's true that Blender. I mean, it's such a, a, a sh an inter intra shot. I don't know. It's like you work at the shot level and and rarely beyond that. Like yeah, in but, Blender, you have no. But sometimes you, I actually made an you, made an add-on for that. <laughs> it's a part of awesome. Amaranth. So because sometimes you would see these images that is it being used? Is it not? It's just yeah. somewhere there. Something is broken. So I actually used it yesterday because mm -hmm. there was an image that was broken. Uh, like broken path, it wasn't there, and I didn't know if it was used or not. So you would just—it made a thing is, or you select the image and you click on it, and it's the most stupid way of doing it. Where can people download your add-on? It's on. Actually, if you download the billboard, the uh, the Blender billboard is there. It's called Amaranth. You just have to. Or yeah, or just go to uh, yeah. You just go with it. PabloVasquez.org/slash/amaranth. <laughs> blah blah. <laughs> anyway, it's there. You. It's a it's a bunch of things, but in, one of those things is a scene debug panel, which I think uh, we should have some of sort of that somewhere in Blender. Mm. Um, so yeah, in this case, you select the image, you click on it, and it's really stupid, but it loops through every object, through every material, through mm -hmm. every image mm -hmm. until it finds the match, you know, like a Tinder match. You know, like hey, it's a match, and then you should save it in a list, and then you make a list of that thing, and then you um, yeah. You should show, okay, this is in this material, which is in this object, which is in this thingy. Cool. And that is so handy. So we should have something like that, maybe on a work asset workflow slash thing. I don't know. How, how is it in MIG Productions? You have a place where you, you browse assets or in your own... Uh, um, yeah, I mean, they've had third-party tools or just internal stuff they've developed that are just asset browsing libraries, you know? Yeah. It's pretty simple to bring in things. I, I guess for animation, it's different. Um, like, if I was doing a render and then I see a missing texture, which, I don't know, <laughs> does that happen? Yeah, I guess it happens. Come on. It's gotta happen. It's yeah. gotta happen. It's not like it's not it's perfect. Someone pink. gets fired, probably. <laughs> yeah, you get, a, you get a, pink, a pink wall, for example. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, you know, that kind completely of opaque to me. I have no idea. I mean, I, I only see a little fraction. Yeah, you know. exactly. Like you see already everything already built. Right. But then, how how would uh, I don't know? I just trying to imagine. I've never used anything else in Blender, so I don't know. Like if I, if I want to see how the things are done or where everything belongs. Wow. We need we need, we need experts to come in and tell us how to do it. Yep. I have a question for Nathan. Yes, go on. What has been the biggest animation challenge that you've had to face? This is a completely non sequitur. Here at the Blender Institute over the last month and a half. <laughs> mm -hmm. hmm, I would probably have to say it's usually pretty difficult to interpret what the director oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so. Bam. What, what, which director? <laughs> I was going to ask this uh -oh. question to Nathan actually. I was like, okay, waiting for the right, uh, you know? Yeah. But I mean, it's always a challenge. Yeah, interesting. So would you have, because this is a safe space, the podcast, the Blender Institute podcast. Would you have suggestions for the directors? Yes. You know, uh, ways to direct better and be more clear in the delivery of certain notes. Hmm. Uh, I have to think about that one. Hmm. Uh, kind of uh, on the spot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let me think. Uh, I'll get back to you. Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's been interesting. I mean, uh, Kelty and I are co-directing yes. and, uh, so that in and of itself is uh, a unique thing. It's two people with different mm -hmm. opinions. Then we've got 
the fact that like this it's not um not it's a very technical process but there's a lot that's very subjective and a lot of times when you're reacting to work you're trying you're feeling your way through it a little bit uh and being able to communicate the thoughts uh and deliver very specific actionable notes is a is a skill i think we both got to work on (laughs) totally it it is uh and i've had this happen uh, as a director gives me a note and sometimes it's just a matter of english being not the first language that everybody you know so in some cases it's that in some cases it's just that the the what the word means is a a little bit subjective Mm. so you know maybe they're throwing a word at me and i think i know what they mean and they think they know what it means. But really, like, we're not syncing up, but we're both smiling at the meeting and walking <laughs> yeah. our own way. And then it's not until we return, it's like, oh, all right. Uh, there's some, you know, it's it's not that we went exactly in the opposite directions, but it's just, okay, it's not quite what we're talking about. Mm. And, you know, and I've had that now also when I'm, you know, maybe uh, giving, like, I was giving a note to Bo. And then when I saw what he did with that note, I understood that, oh, yeah, you can also interpret that word in that one other way. And yeah, I, I wasn't uh, clear enough. So, Well, speaking of that, clarity uh, and specificity. Uh, and I think we had a conversation about this very recently. Mm. One thing that I am trying to find the balance between is giving notes as you would a director. or sorry, uh, to an actor, mm. uh, like a live action, you know, context. Um, giving notes... Uh, that, that, that allow a certain level of creative interpretation mm-hmm. versus being very specific. Yeah. And it's the difference, for example, if you're looking at animation and you feel like uh, uh, basically the brows need to come down. You can say the brows need to come down and you could draw a draw over. Or you could say uh, you could give a direction like you would an actor, like this other character has just keyed your car. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then you're like, how does that make that character feel? Oh, he's angry. And then he takes the brows down. And yeah. that's uh, uh, <laughs> what I sort of have been try- trying to get better at is delivering that type of direction. But in it's, the context of live action, <laughs> yeah, it's it actually is a I think a, a, a difference in how you handle the medium. Yeah, you know, or and it's not that yeah. you have to take it to extreme with one of the mediums and the other extreme and the other. It's it's there is a bit of like balance in between. Yeah, and it just so happens with animation, and particularly if you don't have the highest budget ever and you can just afford to throw things out as you go, then you need to go a little bit more specific. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I like to I like to be as story oriented and as character oriented as possible, yeah. so that. You know, we can we can always be talking about what is going on in this in this moment and the experience of this movie. Uh, whereas sometimes you just need the result direction of uh, make it look like this. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. and it is a balance. Totally. Yeah. They're also by having it be a little bit more specific. It sometimes also helps because that means that you're uh, dissecting a little bit more specific beats hmm. and you can go. You know what? Like he has this half smile that just happens to come up in this one brief moment. And that's giving us an indication in the greater scheme of things. And then maybe if you tone down the half smile or go in the opposite direction, you might like get 50% of the way in the bigger sense of, of the shot. And that in and of itself, like it would be hard to not go specific with that direction if you're like, okay, his mom just died. And he's thinking about his like second divorce in his life. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if you go yeah. too vague, then it's like, Sure. Then, like, next time you see it, it's like, no, I I just wanted that smile to go away. I'm sorry. (laughs) I I should have maybe just said that. Exactly. I guess another difference with uh, live action and animation is that on animation, you can probably give uh, the animator a real life reference and it's going to be fine. Mm. But a live. What? Well, I mean, that's taking it to... As a reference, like, hey, yeah, more like, you know, like something of this. But yeah, if you yeah. say it to an actor, you just do it like this actor. <laughs> it's not cool. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. It, so, it, there is a little bit of, of a frown upon when you take it so far as to... Um, I mean, it, it depends on the like the level of confidence you put into the artist. And that also goes with like actors. It's, uh, you know, 
if you if you want to work with an animator, but then you just shoot the reference without them, uh. like, and you actually shoot and edit, and you just end up with the thing you really want, and then you just go, just do that. Then you're also showing that there's not a lot of like trust going on back and forth. So it is also striking that balance uh, of not taking it too far. And that's also with live action actors, of course, uh, like allowing them to kind of find a little bit what you're going after. But the difference also is with live actors and animators is um, an animator needs to be able to go into the mindset of a lot of different characters, while the live action actor only usually has to uh, maintain this one character and then they can kind of interpret it and that becomes the character and then they can just keep on going with that with an animator they need to maybe jump into this guy and then next shot it's like okay this and that guy which is a totally different guy and mm -hmm. if you don't sync things up if you don't have um, you know an animation director or whatever that syncs things up then you're going to have like a from shot to shot the agent is going to be more of a whimsical guy and more of a serious guy and more fearful yeah. because he's thinking about his mommy or whatever you know? or a dog you know it's yeah, anima yeah, exactly. animating an animal or a car or a, then a character or something yeah, yeah jeez but that's also interesting because you mentioned this and giving the freedom to do that research and it's always a balance because uh, when you were talking about you know the amount of detail that you get into when you provide reference and then mm. i was thinking of pablo because i wanted to ask him about his work that he's doing now with lighting mm. uh for the for the shots and actually how quite specific things have gotten from the, uh, like uh, Colin br brought to the table a lot of great references for how the visuals could be could be done. And in that case, like having as specific as possible indications of, okay, this is the kind of mood that we want. Of course, mm -hmm. it's not, an, uh, you know, uh, the same action is like, this is the mood that you want to do. That's quite standard for, for lighting because it really helps you to, to clarify what you want. And uh, so it's really interesting mm, yeah. how the different techniques and different departments also work. And uh, yeah, for example, Pablo, like if you worked with the director and then maybe, you know, there was some back and forth, but then at the end, he just kind of did it by himself, you know, and just kind of took it upon himself. <laughs> I mean, you know, would you feel like the trust has been a bit violated maybe? Or, uh... Uh, yeah, we could use rape to choose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, a little bit, yeah, just a tiny bit, yeah. Well, not here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that it's a it's a bit hard, I guess. But I, I think that happens in uh, if if the team is too small, if there's no there is no clear roles, I guess that also. I mean, I'm I'm fine. I'm actually great when they give me reference that is very clear. Yeah. Um, Unless you are the DP or like you are like our director, and then yeah, I mean you need some reference, but then it should also be yeah. a bit of freedom. But if you're just a lighter artist, you need to do what you're done, what you need, what you're told. Then yeah, reference is is great. You can also just deviate and offer give different uh, versions and stuff. Yeah, because it's also already challenging in, in itself to actually make it work well. Because one thing is like, ah, yeah, here is a paint over of this still. But then, you know, usually dealing with animation, you always have things changing and highlights moving around. And it's still, you have some freedom and you have to make choices on how then in the action light behaves and how it works. Yeah, that too. But the artistic and also from the technical side. So yeah. there is always work to do anyway. So yeah, or like the reference is a nice old bar. Uh, or if everything is wood or something, and then you have to make a barbershop where everything is shiny, right? Mm. And uh, glossy and stuff. So it, yeah, there is difference, of course. You can make it the same. So you've actually, as we were saying, you've been working now on uh, uh, lighting and setting up uh, shots uh, for the barbershop. And uh, what have you been doing specifically? And uh, where is this uh, going now? Uh, for the last two weeks, been working on yeah mainly lighting uh just getting the barbershop um so at the, at the beginning of uh, last week uh, i think i i don't know if i mentioned that's so long ago the last podcast that i've been doing some paint overs just to get the mood of the first few shots in the in the um, exterior of the barbershop like just amsterdam so i did that then uh, we were missing um, actual buildings and stuff so we swapped with uh, andy he worked on the exterior and then i moved to the interior where i did some lighting tests um just trying to find the the, the atmosphere how it looks so how, how it feels and then this week 
continue doing that um but kertan also jump in and uh colin too so that way we had three ways of looking at the barber shop and i think that was really great because um we well we have oh and also that we have meetings now on on wednesdays yeah uh about and on mondays about like art meeting that is really nice we hadn't had it before and okay it's more meetings but yeah. like wednesday is a great time wednesday morning is a good time of the week because then you're halfway in the week you still have time for friday to deliver something and you had monday and tuesday to work on that then friday we present it on the weekly and then monday morning after the the, the team kickoff we have our own little kickoff where we see okay what we had on friday and work um to present something on on wednesday and i think that's working pretty well um that's when we decided to all do a, like a little go on the on the barbershop lighting yeah and on Wednesday, we <laughs> actually we put two frames on top of each other, fifty percent, and that was something like what we were going for. <laughs> so I think it's it it it's a luxury, a luxury to have that in a way, in a, such a small team, to have two people, three people working on the same mm. shot, just a different way of looking at it, but. It really helps. I think for a few days is a is a good investment. Yeah, it's really we we hadn't had we, we didn't have this before, which is you do it once and then that's it and then that's how it looks <laughs> yeah. but if you have a few people doing it and then you can pick the best parts of it and then because sometimes you just don't know how it looks until you have yeah, can you imagine doing maybe the same for like a bigger studio if you had the animators also and i don't mean like animating like okay you're all gonna animate this shot whoever wins is <laughs> whatever not that but let's say for example and this also comes into um getting to know the character and getting to know the rig Oh, yeah. is to animation tests yeah exactly and like maybe you have you have a couple of lead animators and ask them all individually to do a walk cycle for the character and then have a discussion like two days later where everybody comes back together they show their reference they show the idea behind it and like why they did it that way and then that way they can like have this open conversation about what to like what of those ideas are working what what is not and what could be potentially combined in order cool. to strengthen it yeah mm. but you know that's at a bigger studio i guess that's uh yeah when you have more uh more people more, more money, people more but i th more. i think <laughs> that i mean we're a small studio we don't have a lot of time and then blah 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 yeah. but and you think like okay more meetings is gonna be less work but actually it's the other way around you in that one hour meeting you you resolve and you have more clear what to do so you work more efficiently also yeah and I think it helps. I think it's a good thing to do. We should have done it before. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's great to see that, you know, everything in the work is uh, progressing very well. And uh, I think uh, next uh, time we, we meet here for another podcast, we will have even more updates and we will keep publishing more work on the cloud. And uh, I think. Yeah, actually, there are uh, plenty of renders and I might upload a few songs. Like what I did. Uh, last uh, few days was setting up shots just so they you can open them and press f12 and they render mm. so they don't have the right light right right anything right lighting right anything but um ideally once uh, keratin is done with the master lighting of the of the barbershop interior which is like a basic setup of how how more or less it should look then we're going to bring that into the other shots and with that as a base you can actually change everything but just as a base you add uh, whatever is necessary to make that shot look nice. And that will be the next step, I think. So there will be some, not final because it's not animated yet, but final-ish yeah. looking renders. Great. Awesome. Yeah. Do we have some uh, quick Q&A before wrapping this up? Yep, we do have. So there is a few nice comments. Thank you very much, uh, Luciano, Olav, and uh, Forgotten Fantasies. But the question is uh, by Thomas for animators. Uh oh, Ooh, so the whole animation team happens to be here, uh, uh, up here. Pierre, Pierre is, yeah, here he's right listening. On yeah. <laughs> um, so when animating, do you record all the keyframes for one character in a single action, or do you use do you also use linked actions like a walk cycle? If so, do you organize the action in the NLA? I, I think I already know your answer. <laughs> And what what kind of blending do you use when you mix the the action C and the NLA? Mm, mm, um, mm. 
And yeah, it's more about that. Yes. Mm-hmm. I think... Uh, well, I mean, you're supposed to... I mean, of course, it says it right there. You're supposed to take the NLA and, and uh, you have to light it on fire and throw it into, <laughs> into the bin. Now, I mean, NLA, there's going to be really specific niche uh, moments when you want to use that thing. But honestly, it's always in the long run, if you're doing yeah. like a well-animated, polished thing, it's always going to be more of a hassle rather than just using maybe you take a walk cycle within you know you grab the walk cycle you've already made it so it works in one direction and then at any point if it deviates from the normal walk cycle you you start making your own poses but even then you go into the walk cycle and you try to spot like you know, change it so so there's variety so it actually matches what's supposed to be happening but uh, i would treat the making the walk cycle more or less of like an exploration of the character animator, like the the animation of the character itself, like what is the style, how fast does he move, or you know what yeah. he or she or whatever. Um, Nathan, do you want to take this one also? I've seen Nathan animating most of his work with the NLA actually. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's only the NLA. Here, Nathan. <laughs> ah. <laughs> no, I mean I just answer that question with a, a big fat no, pretty much. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, I was trying to go half and half. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but um, then, uh, yeah, yeah, some other people jump in. And then, yeah, maybe if you're having a character that is not a hero character, of course, but if in the background it's only like yeah. 10 pixels big. Yeah, and even then, I mean, it's not, I mean, for example, um, so let's, th- let's say you do a walk cycle and it's, I mean, the cycle itself, let's say just hypothetically, it's like each step is 12 frames. So you got 24 frame cycle going on and it's a medium sized human you know, just to get a little bit more specific. Uh, okay, so what are you using the NLA for? Are you, is it to slow down and bump up the speed? Because a human will not all of a sudden go into slow motion yeah. if they're slowing down. It, because it, the cycle will slow down, but the, the amount of steps will still carry on. It's just that the gate has shrunk, shrunken down. So, I mean, you know, like all those, because then you're just going to end up with something that's not real and not natural, even if it's in the distance. Yeah, I think the example was about mixing actions. So it would be mm. if the character you have, uh, um, they're all the same characters, like alike, for example, they're all like the same size and the same. Yeah. They're all walking. Yeah. So you have the walk cycle. And then maybe you want to do one of the guys that is uh, looking at his phone and texting at the same time as walking. And the character is in the background. Would yeah. you like overlap the... I would never use the NLA for that. No, Jesus, man. Give me one. It's a legit thing you can do. But um, it's, when there's an NLA, it's not super practical. Um, a nice layering system would come in handy like that. I would take that layer system, lighter on fire. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a question, even. a quick question. Yes, uh, that would have to do with this, uh, which is uh, 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 sort of cheating a, or just moving, relocating mm-hmm. a character to a different place. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if uh, it's possible to take a single NLA strip and apply it to multiple channels underneath it. But for example, in the case there, you have two characters and you want to shift them both equally, you know, in, in X a certain amount and Y in another amount. Mm-hmm. Right now, you have to go in and uh, do it sell. by hand or yeah, set up some sort of parenting What do you mean? You just you move the master. You move the master, sure. Yeah. But, then you, but then you have to move the master of the other character by the equal amount of... Yeah. And yeah, that, I mean, you're using the so you're saying that you're using the same data block for both of them of the action. Yeah, I'm wondering if it might be possible to actually do the work once in an NLA strip mm-hmm. and then apply it to both other characters. So you have basically the offset stored in uh, its own action. Action. Yeah, that's possible. Yeah, you can add, mm-hmm. replace. Um, it has a few blending modes. Yeah, I'm not sure if Wouldn't I understand the question. Be the same thing as being able to select both controls. Yeah, but you can't yeah. right now. But yes, like that would be, that oh, would be you mean far move, better. You mean move them both, so it's yeah. like it's yeah. Sorry, it's, I didn't explain very well. With post mode, basically, yeah. Having that be an interview. Yeah, I, I mean, I see what you mean then. But yeah, even then, I mean, in a, you know, new layering system. Just oh okay. yeah, and I'm yeah, just exactly. trying to see if what's there already could possibly ease my no, pain a little bit. I mean, bit. Those, those things with the new layer system are going to be a bit, I mean, they're basically going to be doable. But like, if if I really had that problem, and I've had this problem before, I just, you know, I, I do it by hand and it takes me 10 seconds 
you know like it's it's not like i'm like oh man where did these 10 hours go it's 10 seconds it mm. really is it takes no time for me mm. to move the master mm. right, i need to watch place. you do this and look, <laughs> time it value, time it like the value might be 0 0.2 it's like all right i moved the thing to 0 0.2 what a let's great move the other one 0 0.2 the... <laughs> yeah, but like really moving everything to the nla you just like now of you're course, just adding another level of complexity yeah, yeah, for a really theoretical task yeah so give me a good task where this is like a really profound thing where we need to use the nla birds Flying, flapping. Yeah, no. then well. I wasn't that impressed with using, but I, I agree because they they don't slide. You know what I mean? They're not moving on. Yeah. Uh, they're not moving on a ground, so you won't have like weird slightness effect going on, or uh, the the weird like slowing down or. What if you have a hundred thousand ants? Yeah. On a sidewalk, and none of them are walking, but you have a walk cycle. Yeah. You really wanna? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, you know, going, like right? that's an extreme case, and. And in that case, actually, uh, <laughs> you took me seriously. Yeah. <laughs> in that case, I would probably not use the NLA, but I would see why it would be an option, though. Okay. Like, because in that case, we're probably going to end up anyway just taking the uh, in object mode, the the right the model itself, and it already has the thing there, yeah. and then we just duplicate. Yeah, you cache it and then move it, and yeah, then exactly. it. <laughs> so, everybody's thinking about this in really practical terms, not like because you know you would normally use cloud simulation for this kind of stuff. But yeah, of course, yeah. not having it, uh, everybody exactly. Thinks about it. Our mind goes into like, how will we achieve this right now? <laughs> yes. And uh, so, if you have any other questions and challenges for Hjalti to actually uh, use the NLA, please write it in the comments below. And, yeah. Light it on uh, fire and throw yeah. it into the <laughs> bin. Um, I would like to thank everyone for joining us today at the Blending Suite podcast. Uh, and again, keep the question coming. And uh, we hope to see you next time with more updates. And uh, definitely, we will report on the usability meeting and on what we are doing here on the Agent 327 project. Follow us yeah. on the cloud. Woo. Thanks a lot. And see you, you next time. Bye. See you. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to the Blender Institute podcast, brought to you by the Blender Cloud. Is your rigid mustache feeling asymmetrical? Go visit a barbershop on the cloud. Go to cloud.blender.org.